Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Sorta Awesome. I'm your host, Meg Teets, and I am so happy to be joined today by my very dear friend and my longtime co-host, Kelly Gordon, as we put the spotlight on Kelly with a Best of Kelly show. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hey, Meg. I'm so good. I'm so glad to be here, even though, as we've been saying, like it's just all bittersweet, right? But Very bittersweet, yes. Yes. I'm always glad to be in the earphones, AirPods, car speakers of the awesomes. (laughs) You know what? That's one of the most intimidating things for me to think about. When we started Sort of Awesome in 2015, there wasn't as much... technology sinking in our lives as we as just is now commonplace I feel like I'm totally comfortable with being in someone's headphones but the thought of being on their car speakers I don't know I can't think about it Kelly or I'll freak out and then just be like I can't I cannot possibly ever talk on mic again (laughs) (laughs) well I think it's also intimidating because we think we're speaking to a singular person and I feel like a car speaker or playing on an Alexa in a kitchen like it's just forever Everybody, it's, and that makes me feel weird. Me yeah. too. Yeah. Well, hopefully we won't feel too weird today. Yes, because, no, we won't. <laughs> we'll be fine. As you, yes, as you awesomes know, we are coming to the final episodes of Sorta Awesome. And as part of that, we are celebrating the co-hosts as they are sharing some of their best of moments from our history together. Like I said, since 2015, eight and a half years of creating Sorta Awesome for You. We're celebrating some of their favorite memories and Kelly is getting to do that today. So we're going to get to the best of Kelly here today on Sorta Awesome. Awesomes, it is Spotlight on Kelly Day. She's going to be answering some questions for us um, that I have for her, reflecting back on her time as a co-host here, um, just sharing this parasocial friendship with all of us. Kelly is, you know, for years we've said our favorite big sister. So I cannot wait to hear your thoughts and your reflections on your time as a co-host here. And then also, I can't wait to hear the episode that you have picked for your best of. But before we get to that, Kelly, let's go ahead and start the show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. It's that moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little bit more awesome right now, whether it is a book or a TV show, movie, podcast, product, recipe, app. There's so much awesome to choose from. What is bringing a little extra gold sparkle to your days right now, my friend? 
So this is a little intimidating because we are really in the countdown now. I mean, it is December yes. of the final episodes of Sort of Awesome. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I've only got a few awesomes of the week left. So I have to be very like thoughtful. Strategic. Strategic. Yes, thoughtful. Intentional. Yes. So I was like, I think I'm going to bring this awesome because it truly is an awesome and it kind of represents me as the things that I bring to the awesome. So I am bringing a sitcom to okay. the awesome community. Okay. But this one, you guys, this, this is growth. This one just, it's only got two seasons because it didn't get renewed. So oh. it just ended this spring. You know, so the second season, it started in 2021 okay. and it ended in 2023. It's called American Auto. Okay. So you're going to find this on NBC's apps on Peacock mm. or, or on the NBC app. Um, it was done by them. It was created by the people who created Superstore. Oh, so okay. If you watch Superstore back in the day, it's definitely, it's the same sort of feel as a lot of these kind of great sitcoms. Um, I'm sad that it didn't get picked up. I actually discovered it when I went on a trip recently, actually girls weekend on the plane. You know how they have shows you can watch movies, whatever. Yeah. I, I always feel like I don't have the stamina for a movie on a plane usually. Right, right, right. Like yeah. I, I just am like too distracted. So I often will pick some of my favorite sitcoms because they're all there, you know, Parks and Rec yes. and The Office or whatever. Yes. Um, but I was like, I haven't heard of this American Auto. So I'm going to, I'm going to watch a couple episodes. It didn't start at the beginning. That was the only kind of jarring thing oh. is you're like kind of yeah. thrown into, you know, like uh -huh. you're like, okay, wait, what? <laughs> but I was like, this is, this is fun. And this is the reason I'm recommending it, even though there are only two episodes. It is so current and it is satire and it's so cutting and funny about this particular moment in time that we are living in. I feel like as the awesomes know, a lot of times I watch sitcoms that are really old. They're, you know, like I just watched <laughs> Modern Family a couple years ago, you know, so they are, you can see, I mean, it's not that the comedy doesn't hold up, but you have a different perspective. Um, yes. In fact, I'm rewatching Superstore now because when I ended American Auto, the app was like, maybe you would like to watch Superstore again? I was like, yes, app, I would like to watch Superstore again. <laughs> so it's, it's like in 2015, 2016, you know, like election. Yeah. It, it's, you know, so the things oh, that they're yeah. talking about, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. But what mm -hmm. American Auto is doing is right now. So let me give you, sorry, I'm kind of jumping ahead to why I like That's it. Okay. But the premise yeah. of the show. So like I said, it's from the creator's superstore. It's a workplace comedy. It's set in the automobile industry. Okay. So it's set in Detroit. Um, it follows the corporate executives of a, a company, a fictitious, co fictitious company, of course, called Payne Motors, P-A-Y-N-E. But you know. uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like at a crossroads, right? They're, they're trying to adapt to these changing times. So they have a brand new CEO <laughs> who actually came from the pharmaceutical industry. She oh, knows great. nothing about cars. Like it's, it's of course, like, eventually they realize she doesn't even drive. Like she's like, <laughs> she like used to live in New York. She's like, oh, cars scare me. I don't even get it. You know. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Choice, Perfect. Everybody. Great. Yes. yes, exactly. Um, so she has no, knowledge about cars, but she does have some, like, she's like, I'm really good in a crisis <laughs> because I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. Right. So it's like her and her team trying to grapple with the reality of today, how to make things relevant, how to deal with social media, how to deal with um, politics, like when everything that you say, somebody hates it. Yes. Um, so like there's so much that sort of stuff in it. It is obviously it it deals with cars. Um, but that's just like that's the like structure. Yeah. 
Right, right, right. right. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. In many ways, it's dealing with a lot of the same things that the office would have dealt with in a different sort of way. It's not quite, there's not quite like a a Michael character who's quite so painful and always crossing the lines, but they're still dealing with like the modern workplace, only a little bit more from a C suite um, position. So I don't know. These names, a lot of the people, um, I would say about half of the cast is going to be very recognizable to people and about half are new people, which I love. I love that it was like new actors, fresh faces. Um, there is somebody, Ty White. He was in Superstore. Um, okay. So that was a crossover. And then the main character who plays the CEO, Catherine Hastings, Anna Gasteyer. Oh, yeah. I- Okay, I did not know her name. Like when from I went Saturday to look her Night up, Live. yes, from Saturday Night Live. So I was like, yes. I did not like know the name, but as soon as I saw her face, like she's done so much good, and she's hysterical. Like, oh my gosh, she's so good in this role. Comes in as you know this, like she's trying to be take charge. She's a woman CEO, and okay. like there's so much cultural commentary here. So the the fun thing too, in some ways, is that it is just two seasons. This is bingeable over a holiday break. You know what I mean? Yes, it's, it's two yeah. seasons of a sitcom. It's not coming back. Wah, wah. So um, they don't have any huge plots that are like, I wonder what's going to happen. I mean, you do wonder what's going to happen, but it's not quite like, um, oh, what was the Korean comedy that was set in oh, Toronto? Uh, the market. Kim's, Conven- Kim's, Kim's Convenience. Convenience. That one got canceled. R.I.P. I'm still, still like mourning that. Heart. It does. Yes. And they had so many storylines out there that were like, you were really like, okay, what's going to happen? The yes. mom has MS and the daughter's struggling with her sexuality. Like what's the the relationships? And then it was just over. Yep. And that, that Surprise was cancel. I, my bitter. heart still hurts. Yes. I'm still yeah. bitter about it. So this one doesn't have that feel like when it ends, you, you're not left on so many tender hooks, yeah. but it's still yeah. it's a great comedy. You guys, I can't. Like I, this is my escapism. I love to watch a sitcom, um, and laugh. And I felt like, especially they did a, <laughs> they did one where they were trying to cast a commercial, and then like, who do they cast? And is it too white? And now, does that lesbian is she actually a lesbian? Right, right, you can't right, right. Cast a straight woman that's a lesbian, and so, but but does she look too lesbian now? Is she too butch? Are we saying that? Like all of these questions. And there's always some person over in the corner who's like, this is why we should just stick with white people. You know, so it's, it's just a constant <laughs> tension yes. of like, of the, of the, the, the world that we live in. Like I laughed until I cried in that episode. So yes. it, if you like satire, if you like the, the kind of classic sitcom, I definitely think you should look it up. American Auto, again, NBC, I've okay. got the Peacock app. Um, if you don't yeah. have it already, you know, who knows? All the subscriptions. All I'm going to say is that's where you can find it. I don't know how much you're going to have to pay for it if okay. you don't already have well, it. Speaking of paying for it, it's so interesting that you mentioned that because just this week I opened Instacart and I have Instacart Plus membership. Okay. And I got a notification from Instacart that now that Instacart Plus membership includes Peacock at no extra cost. <gasps> See? So heads up if you, like me, are an Instacart girly and you've got that Plus membership, you can also now access Peacock for free. So, well, I mean, it's not free. You're paying for your Instacart membership. But, but, but that is one way to do it. But I am with you. Like, (laughs) there's so many. Now I just realized we're just like, we just need to turn them on and off all the time. Like, I'm like, is anybody actually in our house watching Netflix right now? Nobody is. So let's just turn it off for a while and then we can go back and turn it back on. Um, Exactly. 
yeah, that's hard to keep track of all of them. But so this one's on Peacock and there's also an NBC app. Is that what you're I, saying? Well, that's what they say, but I don't know okay. if that's like old information that I found oh, okay. online and they haven't been, you know, yeah, assumed yeah. into each other. And it's just the Peacock yes. app, but it's, yeah, like if you went to NBC.com, you could find it. That's where I'll put a link in the show okay. notes to the show so you can see clips and that sort of thing. Fine. And that's NBC.com. But then you can go out from there. And like like you, I also get Peacock free through something else. So that's yeah. just another like little tip is that, you know, look around yes. and see because lots of times with maybe your um, internet bill or whatever, like there's things that it's like, oh, by the way, but you could you can get a free this. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe you have it and you just don't even know. Okay. Very good. American Auto. So we'll check that out. Um, my Awesome of the Week this week is a podcast. So pretty on brand for me. Excellent. It is even more on brand when you hear the name of it. Kelly is Ghost Story. Okay. Yes. Have you heard of this? this is a Wondery production called Ghost Story. No, I haven't okay. heard of it. Oh, good. I'm going to tell you all about it. Several, several awesomes tagged me, uh, went out of their way to be like, are you listening to Ghost Story? Because everything about this, Kelly, is completely and truly made for me. <laughs> it's like, Maybe they, back when we were with Wondery, maybe you yeah. said something and they were like- <laughs> I like, I spoke it into being. <laughs> yes, exactly. They they heard it and they said, this is a podcast that we could create for that. Remember that Meg Teets? <laughs> she's our she's our person that we picture when we're designing this podcast there we go yes exactly exactly (laughs) thankfully i've long since released any negative feelings i had (laughs) um but seriously this is a great great production so it is hosted by and it was created by tristan redman um, Tristan Redman is a journalist. He's currently a senior producer with Al Jazeera English, but he's done like just like a ton of work in the journalism realm. He's British and um in his whole family, so it's like kind of that's the context. He is somebody he he grew up and like lived in this house. And when he was a teenager, he noticed like weird things would kind of like happen in his bedroom, but nothing like alarming or scary or terrifying, just like huh, that's weird. Did I leave that window open? How is it open? That kind of thing. Well, years later, he discovers that that house he lived in when he was a teenager was, I don't think he even like grew up there. I think they lived there for like a Mm -hmm. short time and then moved on. That house specifically was next door to the house that his wife, the woman he married, his wife, Her great-grandmother was murdered in that house that was next door to this house that he lived in when he was a teenage boy, which is so weird. She was murdered in 1937, okay? And so this podcast explores, like, is there a connection? Because he had weird things happen to him, but then somebody completely unrelated to their family reaches out to him and and is like, hey, did anything weird ever happen when you lived in this house? Because when we lived there, my teenager who was in that room would see the ghost of a faceless woman. And so they start exploring like Tristan's like has this idea, like what if these things are connected? Like what are the chances that right next door, a woman was murdered in the 1930s um, by her brother who was a veteran of world war one and going through trauma and those types of things. And then there's possibly a haunting at this house that I lived in. And so they start to untangle the threads of connection in this family. 
and discover a whole different plot that unfolds about family secrets and the narratives mm-hmm. that we tell in, in our families about who people were and why they did the things they did and how the narrative can grow into something larger than life over time. So you have all of these things going on. The ghost story, this is called ghost story. The ghost story part of this podcast is actually one of the least like um, examined parts. It's also yeah. true crime. Yeah, It's like a, it's really a big true crime story, which Wondery decided a long time ago to really focus on that true crime element. And I think that this is such an interesting spin on it. Yeah. Um, his He's married to Tristan Redmond is married to um, a woman. And I, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name right now, but also her brother is Hugh Dancy, who is like a pretty well-known British actor. I should have okay. looked up and put like yeah. some of the <laughs> credits in there, but you will recognize the name and the voice because he's on the podcast too. Like he comes in and makes some appearances. Anyway, it's really super interesting. You find out through the telling of this story that like, um, the the great grandfather who survived this violent night in their house where supposedly um the great grandmother whose name is Naomi was murdered by her brother um he like there's all this mythology around him mm-hmm. but Naomi the great grandmother has her own story that has never really been told or spotlighted in the family she was like a physician a doctor in the 1930s and was like, had this really promising career ahead of her. And it's so interesting how her, in this family, her story has not, it was just like, well, she just was murdered and that was it. And there was not as much like emphasis on her role in the family and, and what, I don't know. So there's like these like feminist um, threads in it. There's again, the crime, there's like the trauma and war. And um, like I said, just this idea that sometimes people's stories can become larger than life and the things we do to protect the mm-hmm. stories that make us feel good about our families. I don't know. It's just really good. Like it's called ghost story, but it's about so much, so much, yeah. just like, like the human experience. So well, it's highly recommend like a memoir in some ways, you yeah, know, like how a memoir like, is like you're examining your own history. You're telling it's not his story in his wife's story. So in that sense, it's not memoir, right? but it's, it's that idea of like, yes, we talked to Viet Thanh Nguyen, who is a writer. Um, I, what is this latest book? I just forgot. Man of Two Faces is the one that's being made into a TV show that won lots. I think it won the Pulitzer. Um, we talked to him this fall as part of the show that I helped produce at NPR called Talking Volumes. And he was talking, his latest book is memoir. And he, mm-hmm. his parents are Vietnamese refugees that moved to okay. California. So that's kind of his story. He said, all memoir is a betrayal. Oh, wow. He said, because you have to say like, what am I going to say? How truthful am I going to be? And, yes. and like, or can I be? Cause you're, you're always. Oh, reckoning with those feelings of like, I feel like what you're saying here about this podcast is like, when I look back at my past, when I examine or re-examine or examine really for the first time, these yes. things that have been handed down to me or that I thought were true, um, then what, you know, yeah. like I, I think that kind of grappling is very compelling. And like you said, that's the human experience. 
Yes, absolutely. That's so good. Well, again, this podcast is called Ghost Story. It is from Wondery. You can find it in all of the places that you like to listen to podcasts. And if you're looking forward to something, it's it's completely done. It was, you know, a one and done season and it's done. Yep. So it's very, it's available for your binging now. So. <laughs> All right. Those are awesome of the week for Kelly and I. We will have links in the show notes for you guys. And of course, we want to hear from you about what's awesome in your life. Come and join us on Instagram. That's sort of awesome show. And again, I keep saying this, come over to the hangout. The hangout will live on into the future. So if you do want to stay connected with your awesome community, please come and find us on Facebook and the sort of awesome hangout where we talk about us in the week every Friday and just all kinds of other life stuff. So Kelly, I've got some questions for you to answer and we'll talk about what you chose for your best of episode. We're going to get to that when we come right back. Okay, we are back. And today we are highlighting the best of Kelly from the past eight years of Sorta Awesome. And Kelly, last week I asked Rebecca some questions. I'm going to ask you the same ones. I know that obviously you, we've had all had like parallel experiences, but we've all had a lot of life happen in the past eight years as well. So I think the first question I do want to ask is just thinking about yourself on a personal level, the ways as you think back over the past eight years, eight and a half years since April 2015, when you, uh, well, I guess maybe March of 2015, when you said, yeah, I'll I'll try a podcast with you. What the heck? Like, (laughs) why why not? (laughs) What are some of the ways that you think about um, yourself, how you have grown in the past eight years and changed via creating this podcast um, as part of our team is sort of awesome. It's, it's a weird thing because at least for me, it's very hard for me to separate my life, you know, to, to, to segment it, which actually I'm really good at compartmentalization. It's a superpower of mine, but when I try to look back, it's harder to do. Um, and, and say like, well, this is sort of awesome. And this is my life because they seemed to be happening together, you know? And I mean, and you and I, I know we've talked about some of this. There were things that we were discovering and learning. Um, that then we talked about on the podcast. And so then that brought us to a different level, you know, like that wouldn't, it would have played out differently without the podcast involvement. So in that sense, like many, maybe many awesomes, it's hard for me to separate the podcast from my life. It it blended in and it was really a, a part of me. It was a part of what I was doing every day. So, you know, when I look back over the last eight years, so much has changed. Like Mm. I, I think that personally, when we started in 2015, I was in a cocoon. Okay. So if if you want to use that metaphor, like I had always been a caterpillar and I knew something was changing. Mm. And it's been in those eight years that I have come out of the cocoon and become oh, something wow. else. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that happened and probably would have happened without Sort of Awesome, but it also sort of awesome was a part of it, you know, like it was, it was the tree that the cocoon was in. It was, it was the thing that happened around me. It was the seasons. So all of those changes, you know, from going from that we did here on the podcast talked about, you know, going from, I think I just had stopped being a mom of littles when the podcast started. I think that my youngest either had just started or was starting kindergarten. Okay. And now he'll be in, he'll be in high school next year, you know? So like (laughs) the transition from like life of having little kids at home or being very, very involved in their lives to parenting and learning how to parent kids who are older, 
young adults is a vast change and something we've talked about on the podcast going from, um, like even growing as a woman, you know, like now we've done the whole Megan Mindy series on perimenopause. Like that wouldn't have yeah. applied to me back eight years ago. It would have been like interesting information, but like, I feel like this is right where I am. This is exactly, yes, yes you know, where I, at almost 52, like that's my reality. And um, so there's been so many things that have been interwoven that it's hard for me to take out. Um, I did definitely be able to crystallize a few things. And one of them, <laughs> and this, looking back, I'm like, I think I should have realized this earlier, but I'm a verbal processor. <laughs> you don't say. Hmm. All of those notes from the teachers and they were like, oh, Kelly talks too much. Like she's very bright, but she talks a lot and would do better if she pay attention. Um, like now when I hear that, if I heard that about a kid, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I think back then it was just a negative, you know, oh, like yeah. stop yeah, talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but it was really through the podcast and us talking on Voxer. There are so many times that in those last eight years now, I have realized certainly I could do this in journaling as well as writing. And up to this point in my life, it was only an experience that I would have as I was writing. I would write yeah. something down and realize it as I was writing it. Like something yeah. changed. Like it was like things came to me in a fresh way or in a, front of mind way as I was writing it down. And I would be like, oh, that's what it is. Or that's what I think. As I was writing, something about the writing process would help synthesize it. But yeah. way more than writing, I do that verbally. Right. I, right, right. I do that as I talk. So this podcast, talking things out with you and with Rebecca and even the awesomes has made me realize things um, in ways that I wouldn't have For realized. Sure without the podcast, because this is how I process information is it's through talking. It's through the exchange of information yeah. back and forth. And that's how I've, I've grown as yes. a person. And, and now I know that this is the best path for me to learn about myself and the world and to grow. It is through conversation. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that's something I knew. I don't even know that I thought that was. I wasn't even aware of that as a possibility, if that makes right. sense. Right. Yeah. Going along with that, like the idea of, um, I'm not sure what the right word is. I'm still struggling to not accept this part of myself, but to, to name it. Yeah. I like to be like, I've always liked to entertain people, mm-hmm. which is the only word I can think of. And that's not the right word. Okay. Um, like I was, you know, when as a little kid, my parents would be, you know, like again, as little kids will do, they'll be like, look at me, like, look at me do this thing. Let me tell this story. Let me tell you my joke. And you yeah. know, then they'd be like, okay, that was enough. Like oh, over here now, you don't have to do, be the center of attention all the time. Um, And it wasn't that I have to be all the time. I don't feel like I was an entertainer as like an ESTJ, is it ESTJ? Like Rebecca, isn't that for um, Myers-Briggs? She's an ESFP and those ESFP. are, I think, yeah, those That's are- kind of known as like the performer type. The performers, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. So yes, I feel like I know some people and they, like, I'm not quite the same as them. That's why I'm looking for a different yeah. word for it. But well, at the same time, I I enjoy, I don't mind being in front of people. Yeah. I, I enjoy the act of communicating. Yeah. That's um, what I was going to say. I think maybe less about entertaining, more about for you, you're, you're always interested in engaging people, like the engagement part of it, as opposed to like, a performance, you know, yes. like I can see you doing like a little dance or telling a joke or whatever, because you're trying to engage people, not necessarily, you know, entertain. And I think 
knowing everything I know about you as an Enneagram seven and an ENFP, that that totally that that really tracks for me in terms yeah. of yeah, that's embracing that it. about yourself, embracing yeah. that because also that would not have been in my upbringing an okay thing. Right. Um, that would have been seen as prideful and arrogant and self-seeking. Yeah. And, you know, like there's just no space for that. Right. Although there's a ton of space for it if you're a man, but we call it different things. So, yeah. you know, like it, it's, yeah, it, it, being able to say, no, I do enjoy this and not be embarrassed about it. Right. Um, and say like, and also I'm kind of good at it. Like it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Um, yeah. So I, and I, I feel like even saying that out loud and saying that message is also kind of what I feel like we want to do here on sort of awesome to all women yes, to be like, always. what is your thing? And like, don't yep. take the messages that maybe internally, externally tell you that's not acceptable. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that really leads into this second question. And I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this because your professional life has taken such an interesting direction during the production of Sort of Awesome. So the next question I want to ask is like, what lessons, what skills, what beliefs and realizations will you take away from your time at Sort of Awesome? And again, if you even just want to start with just like your professional life, like <laughs> yeah. you are a for real producer. I mean, you were, you had worked in news production in the past, mm -hmm. but during the production of Sort of Awesome, like it became like your real job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to produce yes. radio. So yeah. So this is an obvious question like to, to answer for me. It's not like, yeah. I'm like, well... The things that I was learning at Sort of Awesome, I took into an actual, like, not yeah. nine to five, because I work part time, but job, you know, like a, a real quote unquote job yeah. in, a, in a more professional setting. Um, so yeah, all the skills that we use on mic and off mic behind the scenes, thinking about what makes a good show. Um, there's things that, of course, that we do at Sort of Awesome that we don't do at public radio. It's like the engagement. Like, I love the community that we've created and, and engaging with them there. Um, but you know, like editing and all the things I also, the biggest thing that I can think of is how it has, for lack of a better word, cleaned up my speech. Yes. M most of the time now I have developed the skill that I am listening to myself as I talk. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that it, it took a while, right? To be able yes. to take out the ums, the likes, some of the fillers that we do. And I don't mind those, but it, it was a practice that I had to it learn is. to develop this skill to almost be able to, as I'm speaking, be thinking, is that what you want to say? What are you going to say next? And that wasn't something I had before. I notice that I lose it when I get really excited. So sometimes when I listen back to the podcast, mm -hmm. I will have a lot of likes or th that's my biggest fill. And then like, and then it goes and things. And, and I'm like, that's when I'm really, I, I, I just can't, I, I can't hold back. I've, I've lost my internal, like little monitor. It yeah, gets yeah, overwhelmed. Yeah. yeah. But, but that is a real big skill. And it's come into my professional life because when I first went on the air and still the times that I'm most on the air are during when we have member drives and we're asking for money which I had experience in because of what my husband has done for work. Mm -hmm. So like I understood fundraising yes. and then they said, well, and do you want to go on air? And the first time I did it, and again, this is just, this is sort of awesome growth in me. They were like, you're really good at this. 
How, how are you so good at this? And I'm thinking, well, I've been doing a podcast for six years. But right. Also, I, I just felt like everything that I had learned in Sort of Awesome had prepared me for that moment to understand how to speak, how to be engaging with the audience, thinking about, I'm always thinking about the awesomes. Even right now, I'm thinking like, who's listening? So when I get behind the mic at public radio and we're asking for money, I, I love to say, so what are you doing right now? You know, like right. I, I go off script a lot, which maybe I don't know that our fundraising people <laughs> love it, but they keep asking me back. That's I kinda right. Up, I kind of make up my own stuff. I always kind of try to come up with some little sticky thing. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those skills that I think has learned and has really made me into a better radio professional for sure, sure. but hopefully just a better communicator overall. Yeah. I, the other thing that I was thinking of, Meg, that I thought of this morning, and I'm so glad that it came to me because it's going to come to me at some point and then I'm going to be bitter that I didn't say it, you know, on this episode, is how much the format of Sorta Awesome has meant to me. This isn't a skill necessarily, but it's a lesson okay. that I'm yeah. going to take forward because at Sorta Awesome, I have been able to be my whole self. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I could be thoughtful. I could bring deep subjects. I could bring fun, silly subjects. We laugh. I laugh a lot, but I also like to talk about deep things. I really love food, but I really love sitcoms. You know, like all the the weird things that make me me. I remember struggling and you and I had with our group of blogging friends, many conversations about like, how do you be all things on a blog when you're writing? Because you people kind of want a certain style. They come to you for spiritual content or they come to you for food or they come to you for the funny. And I was like, I don't really, I want to be all those things, but then you can't market. You can't grow very well. And so I remember for a while, I thought I'm going to have to need to start four different blogs. And so I can, (laughs) I can be, I have a spot to put all of me, you know? Right. And, And that's all gone away on sort of awesome because I could bring it all here um, and be like well-rounded online. And that is so rare. That is rare. And in this format, the way that we have built this community and this podcast to be, this is what we're talking about. And we talk about the things that we would talk about in real life. So sometimes those are confessions. Sometimes those are, this is what I'm buying lately. Have you seen this great thing? Sometimes it's really, I've been thinking about this issue. This is a thing that really bothers me. We've brought it all here. And that, man, I don't want to go back into having to piecemeal myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's really big. And it it absolutely rings true as you're saying it. And I don't even know that there was ever really like an intentional thing. I think that that just really genuinely grew authentically and organically out of our overriding concept, which was just, you know, friends talking. Right. And, um, yeah, eight years of recorded Although, conversations, <laughs> you're going even to be that, able to share the whole thing, you know? Right. Yes, especially over eight years. But even that you kind of evolved. We we were going to definitely bring our personalities. But if you remember, I'm sure you do, that the, the podcast originally, we started thinking that it was going to be like a, almost like an advice columnist. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Listener questions. We're, listener yes. questions. And then we'll like talk about them. But yes. that's not the direction it went. And, and I think it's better for it. You know, we yeah, do yeah, for obviously sure. answer a lot of questions in the hangout. Yes. It's not just us. Thank you, Lord, that we aren't yes. the ones that are like very quickly. We are like, we are not qualified. 
right, right, to right. be For sure. answering some of these questions and acting like we know all. So let's just talk. <laughs> let's just talk. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, okay. Well, as we get closer to you sharing about the the episode that you wanted to pick for your best of, I'm curious about what are some for you as you think back on our extensive catalog of of episodes that we have, what are some of the highlight episodes, the ones that stand out to you? Maybe you can, you can talk however you wanted to talk about that. The ones that you personally co-hosted or, and, or the ones that you listen to and you're like, this is a great takeaway. <laughs> I'm really glad that's every episode for me. <laughs> yeah. That's um, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Let's just, just talk about your, your reflection back on the standout sort of awesome episodes for you. So this is just such a hard question for me because it's not really how my brain works. I'm okay. really bad at looking back and picking particulars. That's not how my memories even are. They're yeah. like they're like swaths of color versus detailed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, what would I remember? Of course, I would remember the group episodes from early on yes. that we did. Usually with Laura, there were so many moments there that were not scripted, right? And of that course. were hysterical, <laughs> like that. I still laugh about today. Me too. Um, you know, th- so many moments like that. So those that they're just sheer joy. I will, I will always remember that. And of course, I, I don't know what I'm going to do when it gets to be spring or summer and I don't have a list show to, to talk about the new things for the season. Yeah. So I've, I've loved doing that because I'm a seasonal person and it's just been a fun way to kind of take in the world and then hear what the awesomes have to say about it. Yeah. Um, the the confession episodes that you guys, that you and Rebecca have largely done. <laughs> I am so boring. <laughs> I'm well, like, maybe, I would have so, maybe so you're little just, to contribute. No, maybe you are just a little bit more refined than Rebecca and I, who have gotten to the point where we will just say anything. Yes. Well, and I will too. I'm just like, I don't think I've had some of these experiences. <laughs> Maybe it was because I grew up just being like, you can't do that. You can't do that. So I I don't yes. have the, I don't have the stories, you know? Yeah. And also, and we've talked about this before. I'm like, I don't, when memories go in my head, I don't think about them the same way because I'm often not embarrassed. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so I just think it's funny and I tell everybody. And so then it fades in power, you know, because I think sometimes yes. those confessions is because you're like, I should never, ever, right, 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 ever right. tell someone yeah. this until I get onto a podcast where I will tell thousands of people. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> but those, those have been so fun. You're like those, so many awesomes have said, and it was true for me too, that they came at the right time. They yeah. made me laugh. They took me out of something that maybe was hard. They distracted me. They yeah. made me remember the beauty of life and, and the quirkiness of living and that we're all in it together. And I, I feel like that's the lesson that I just lean into more and more is the interconnectedness of us all. And so that's a great truth. Yeah. I know so many people have shared with me about your episodes, um, especially the ones about our spiritual path and how it's evolved and changed. Um, You know, both of us, when we started in 2015, came from like our, we were blogging friends before anything else. And we got to know each other in the context of Christian women writing about our experiences, you know, as wives and mothers and a very specific flavor of Christianity. And so I think for you and I, especially kind of walking that path together and sharing mm-hmm. what we were experiencing, what we were learning, how it was all unfolding for us. 
it happened to be like on, you know, parallel tracks with each other. I think that that spoke to people in a lot of ways, even if they couldn't identify exactly with our, you know, evangelical upbringing. And, you know, you had a very specific one in being a preacher's kid and those types of things. Um, But I think that it, so many people have shared that those episodes kept them company in their own spiritual exploration. And we may not have all ended up in the same places, but just to, it was really a time when this whole idea of deconstructing, like, right. I feel like we were, as usual, we were kind of doing it first. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I think that we were thinking about things and I think other people were too, but then we, I remember when we were like, let's talk about it on the show. And we were very nervous. Very nervous. Um, because we didn't want to alienate anybody. But the reception was so good. And I, I think you're right that if nothing else, it just gave people permission that if they had this little niggling, that, yeah. that here's some other people who are also asking questions. And Absolutely. without fear saying, okay, I'm going to see what, what happens if I pull at this thread a little bit, which everybody says you shouldn't even acknowledge, much less touch. Uh, so so yeah, I think that those, and, and that's a big change that has happened in both of our lives as well. It's like where we have, where we were spiritually eight years ago and where we are now, mm-hmm. Very different. really big changes. Yeah. Um, and we've walked that out here on the podcast together. So for sure, yeah. I'll remember those. And I do know that you're right. There's a lot of people who will say, you know, you were one of the first people that gave me permission. Yes. Um, like you said, even if the, the journeys are different and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, so am I, for sure. Okay, well, let's talk about what did you pick for your best of episode that you wanted to put a little spotlight on and re-highlight for the awesomes? Okay, so I'm I'm going to get there, but I have to get into a little bit of like my journey okay. of coming to which episode that I chose. Right, right, right. So I'm going to say that the the idea of why I'm picking this episode and, and these episodes in many ways, I'm not playing them all, but like, they are, um, you know, pearls on a string. The idea that the awesomes have heard me talk about a lot of self care versus self comfort. Yeah. That was a recurring theme. In fact, I, I had forgotten how many episodes we did. Yeah. About that. Like, right. you know, I, I knew we talked about it and I knew that it was one of those things that had meant, I mean, it meant a lot to me. And then it meant a lot to a lot of other people who were like, Oh, I hadn't thought about it this way. So if you, if you're brand new to sort of awesome, which you, <laughs> Like, hey, you've got a catalog to listen to, my friend. Yes. You've got um, a whole journey ahead of you. Yes. The idea is simply that we talk about self-care a lot in our culture. And, and those are often these kind of floofy things, which is fine. They're like, you know, watching a TV show in your jammies with ice cream or taking a bubble bath or mm-hmm. doing a massage or a manicure, yes. which of course, not everybody can even afford or has the space for. But also I was saying that those are self-comforts. In yes. my opinion, they aren't actually true self-care. And so when we say like, oh, you know, th- your grief should be taken care of by getting a pedicure. Like we're not, we're not really truly taking care of ourselves. Yeah. So I want to play, this is just a short clip, Meg. I found the first time I ever talked about this concept okay. on Sorta Awesome. It was in episode 63. Okay. So this is 2016. And this is a show where you and I are talking. It was actually a show that we did for, to celebrate your birthday oh, in June. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about um, what we know now oh. that we're here. Oh, okay. Yes. I remember this. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. So here, let's listen. 
it was something that I just heard recently and it was kind of one of those mind-blowing sort of thoughts to me because I thought, I don't think I've differentiated. And we need both. I'm not trying to say one is worse than the other. But I think that for a lot of my life, what I've called self-care would have actually been comfort. So the slide that I saw that was differentiating between the two had things under self-comfort like Netflix, a glass of wine, chocolate, you know, the things that we go, oh, well, I'm going to go self-care. I'm going to go eat a tub of ice cream and watch Netflix. There's nothing wrong with that for a season, but that's not really self-care. Right. That's self-comfort, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with something. We're trying to process something. So true self-care are all these things that we're talking about that are body. It is truly finding an exercise that you love. It is tapping into the fact that we are complete mind, body, soul people. It is resting. It is eating non-processed, back-to-the-basics sort of food. Um, so all those things that go together to say, this is, I'm truly taking care of myself. I am nourishing myself so that I can nourish other people and I can continue to live strong and whole. If we don't do those care things, if all we ever do is comfort, we're not actually building into ourselves. You know, it might feel good for the moment. And I think that's why it's okay to have those self-comfort things. Sometimes we do just need a break. So I'm not saying if you're sitting watching Netflix, listening to our podcast, eating ice cream, (laughs) that I'm condemning you. Go for it. Embrace it, right? But we can't live that way. And so knowing the difference and being able to look at my own behaviors and what it does in me, um, you know, is this comforting you or is it truly taking care of yourself has become really a big thing to me. That is so huge. And I think one thing that you said that struck me so much is that when we're pursuing those self-comfort things, it is because we are trying to maybe process something or we're recovering from something, maybe a trauma or grief or something that, that there are definitely those moments when, yes, we have the freedom to comfort ourselves in these things. But like you said, that's not a sustainable plan for caring for yourself for the long term. So there's a time and place for both. Right. So that's so good. That distinction is so important. And we really don't hear that being talked about very much. So yeah, that's why it was kind of mind blowing to me. Okay, so that's the very first time we mentioned the concept on the show. And I think that was people were like, wait, what? Tell me more. So we did other episodes in 2018. We did an entire episode. This is episode 162. We'll just link to it in the show notes. It was called self care, self comfort, what's healthy and what's not. Okay. So that's where we started to break apart the concept a little bit more. Yes. I think we even did some Enneagram breakdown of like what oh, would yeah. self-care look like if okay. for the different Enneagram types because that's another thing that I've learned yes. over this. You know, like I think I knew some Myers-Briggs before the podcast, but Enneagram was still new. And once again, we were kind of leading the way on that. You you found that really early on. We love personality typing, you and I together. And so like now I know the Enneagram Yes. Like, I, I know it more than I ever knew Myers Briggs. And um, because we talked about it so much in the oh, podcast, yeah. and it's been such a helpful paradigm to get to know myself and to get to know other mm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, then, and this one made me giggle. We did one in December of 2019. So we all know, like, now we're like, Oh, honey, you got a big <laughs> storm coming, right? Bless our sweet little hearts. We did one seven kinds of self care for the holiday season. Uh-huh. Which I'm like, oh, it's so sweet to think that like, oh, just <laughs> the last so stressful, the last normal holiday season, quote yes. unquote, normal right. of our lives. <laughs> right. And we're like, I'm so stressed. I have to buy presents. And there's so many people. So, but it, I mean, you know, it, it's not like the holidays aren't stressful. It's still a valid episode. It just makes, right. like I said, it makes me laugh. So that's episode 223. And then a year later. <laughs> in November come, of 2020. We come like 
like from the battlefield, like we have like mud smeared on our faces, our hairs matted. <laughs> almost literally. Almost literally. Like I think that we're all like in our pajamas. We haven't showered in days. You know, we don't we're know like, what day okay, it is. Wait. We need to talk about this again because now it just got real. It got really, really real. And how do I? So that one we called self, self comfort versus self care remix. But the idea was like, how the hell do we do this in this context? Yes. Like all well and good when you can get a manicure, but when you can't even leave the house, when right. you can't even get toilet paper, like right. what? Then what? Then what, Kelly and Meg? Then what? <laughs> so. Those I went back and listened to those, and they I'm are like so I said, tickled. Yes, yes, it is funny because this is the arc again. Sort of awesome. So much has changed in these eight years, and we have been through so much together. So these kind of typify. If you haven't listened to these episodes, you can go back and listen. If you're interested in more of that self comfort versus self care, but drum roll. Okay, the actual episode that I have chosen to play is even older than all of these. It is the Sabbath episode. Oh, I love it. I think I I don't have it here in my notes. I thought I did. I think it's like episode 30 something. Like 39, maybe. Um, We are going so far back in the archives for this. I love this episode so much. I think I remember even saying on that recording, like, I feel like I've just like, sat in a seminar. I feel like I've sat at your feet and (laughs) learned from a master. Like I, that was one of the first episodes where I just was like, Hey, you have so many thoughts about this. Like, why don't you just like literally take the mic and just talk? Yes. And I remember my, just like, I feel like my hair was blown back. I just was like, I learned so much and I, I loved it. Oh, I'm so glad you picked this one. Tell Say your words about it. Okay. So if you, haven't heard this because again, so I did find it is um, 39. So that's 2015. It's in December of 2015. So it's actually kind of pertinent. If you're listening right now, and it's December of 2023, like it, we talk about December and like holidays and that sort of a thing. So um, and it is it was a little polished because this is it comes out of a talk that I had developed and um, had given at a women's conference. And then I was on like a very small, like circuit of like women's groups and churches. And I would talk about it. So I will say this. I was worried about it when I went back. I was like, I kind of want to pick this episode, but I haven't listened to it for a hot minute. And also like, is this going to feel not authentic to me anymore? Like, is it going to feel, is the audio going to be bad? Is the talking going to be bad? And is this going to be very, very Christian? Because mm. I was giving this talk to Christian groups. And yeah. certainly that is my mother tongue, as yeah. Barbara Brown Taylor would say. But also I was just like, I don't, I, I, I hope that this will be broad. And it is. I was so pleasantly pleased when I went back to listen to it. And I was like, this is still, I, there were stories that I told in there that I had forgotten because that's yeah. how my memory works again. I was like, Oh, that's so good. Um, <laughs> this is. This is the message that I want to leave the awesomes in many ways. And that's why I'm choosing it as my, my best episode. These two ideas, which I feel intertwine the idea of rest, which is what the Sabbath episode is really about. We called it seeking rest and finding delight. So I don't want to give any spoilers to the episode. 
go listen to it. You know, you'll, that's what you get to do. But this idea that you're about to hear Megan and I talk about, you're, you're <laughs> Megan back yes. then, um, is so deeply meaningful to me in ways that, again, have become completely intertwined in my life. The idea that you are worthy of rest, the idea that rest is not something that we get at the end of the day because we deserve it. It's something that we need to do. The idea that you should find delight in your life that we are not here to produce. All of these ideas, these these self-care ideas, rest is a form of self-care. And I, I feel like one of the things that Rebecca and I, as we were talking about the podcast ending, she was like, I want the awesomes to know that they are worthy. Yes. They are worthy of respect. They are worthy of happiness. They are worthy of meaning and worthy of like living their life. And that's, we've always tried to be empowering, right? Yes. Like we're all doing it together. 1000%. But, yes. But if I could leave a message, that's what I want to say. Like, this is what you're going to hear me say. These values that I was like, these are what I've learned about as I studied Sabbath for a year, it was like my word of the year. Remember that? That was a yes. whole thing for a while too. Yeah. Um, and that's where this came out of. I, I just want the message that I was portraying, even as I spoke to women's conferences and for sure as I speak to the awesomes and for sure, for sure, as I now sit at almost 52 in 2023, that rest is so important. Like we are not going to be able to live our life. We are not going to be able to love other people. We are not going to be able to make a difference if we don't make sure that we have rest and delight intertwined. And it is never more important than when the darkness is as dark as it is right now. Hmm. So I think that lots of times we think, oh, we can't possibly like when all, when the fire is around us, that somehow we are the dog in the dumpster going, it's fine. It's fine. If I rest and I'm saying, no, that's not true. Like we literally, there's so many metaphors, you know, put your own air mask on first sort of idea, but like, it's just so deeply important to me. And I feel like, especially in our culture, we don't rest. And I think especially women, there's so many times in the hangout, women will be like, okay, so this is what I do. I work full time. I have four kids. My husband travels for work. I'm on these things. I'm on these things. What can I do to get it all done? Mm. And I want to be like, you can't. Like right. you you are doing too much to expect that you are going to be able to live your life and enjoy it. So yeah. there is no pill. There is no quick fix. You have to rest. You have to build in time to rest. Now, whatever that looks like for you, it's just not a message that I feel like gets out there enough in our culture. So definitely, I, I want the the awesomes to take that away. If there is a best of Kelly, it is it is this. We are here at the end of the year. It's a natural time to be thinking about reflections of the year, thinking ahead to 2016, to health and wellness, happiness, finding purpose and intention in the new year. So I have asked Kelly to share with us some of her wisdom in this area, because one topic she knows so much about and that you guys, I have learned so much from Kelly for going back years now Mm. about the spiritual practice of Sabbath. Now, before you reach for the stop button, (laughs) I want to invite you to really give this concept a chance. Just hear us out as we talk about it. I think that you will find as we talk that, and as we hear Kelly really explain some of these concepts from Sabbath, that it may not mean what you think it means. In fact, Kelly, I would say depending on a person's religious background, 
or maybe even lack thereof religious background, you might be sitting there thinking that Sabbath has to do with anything from avoiding work, or maybe it means just going to church. You might be conjuring ideas of just sitting on the couch, staring at the wall, <laughs> and yes. that's Sabbath. Um, probably, most people think it has to do with following a set of rules that are really specific about what you have to do what you have to do and not do on Sabbath. So we want to invite you to rethink this practice. No one better that I know than Kelly to speak to this. So I'm Kelly, I'm just going to kind of open the floor to you and let you just kind of dig in and tell us a little bit more, maybe to start off with what Sabbath is not. Yeah, that's a really, really important distinction to draw right off the bat. Because I would say the same is true of me, even though I was the one who ended up studying Sabbath. You know, Sabbath was my word for 2011. And that is a practice that I know we've talked about sometimes here on the podcast. It started amongst bloggers, I think, just writers, because we love words. It's kind of a different sort of New Year's resolution. You know, Laura Tremaine has often picked a phrase. It's been so good. And so Sabbath came to me at the very end of 2010, and it kind of came out of left field. Like it was interesting to me, but it wasn't something that I had a ton of initial interest in. And it was because what I thought of when I thought of Sabbath was really drudgery (laughs) because it was going to be something that something else I had to do, um, something else that I wasn't doing already that I was probably failing at, something that was going to be rule-based and probably a lot of sitting still, which doesn't work really well for me, and silence. And it just sounded boring. It sounded boring. And I thought, you know, (laughs) like this is not something that I'm interested in. And I have to say this story because it just sets the tone. And I know that you also watched Little House on the Prairie way back. I, wasn't it on my introductory episode, which probably everybody has back in their podcast app again, right? Right, yes. <laughs> Meet Kelly. We talked about in there how Little House on the Prairie influenced my view of childbirth and how I never wanted to have kids because I saw <laughs> people give right. birth with Doc Baker. I forgot you know, about was, that, yes traumatizing. So this is a story actually from the books, but it came to me when I was first thinking of Sabbath and I had to go back and look it up. It's actually a story that Pa tells Laura one Sabbath day when she has been extra Laura-ish. She has been you know, naughty and, and not sitting still and quiet as was expected back then. And he told a story about his father and his brothers that they lived, I think, in on the east somewhere, you know, where there was deep snow and it was winter and it was Sabbath and the boys had built a sled. But they finished it right before sundown on Saturday, which was back then when Sabbath was observed in the early, probably Protestant Christian churches. And so they were not allowed to go out for a test run. Their dad was like, nope, you'll have to wait. So the next day they went to church, they came home. It was a day of drudgery and stillness. As kids, they were expected to sit on a bench and read the Bible, not talk, not smile. It's for solemn sobriety. And so their father fell asleep while he was reading his Bible. And without a word, Pa said the three of them looked at each other, silently communicated that they would get up and they all left the house intending to take their sled for one run, just one run, just like they just wanted to know it worked. And so they got the sled and they went to the top of a big hill and they're coming down and right In the middle of the path, as they're coming down, a wild pig steps out of the woods. And so they hit the pig, and the pig is squealing, and they can't, you know, get it off of them. And they go by their house with this squealing pig on their sled. (laughs) And they look in the window, and their father is standing just, like, watching them go by. And they're like, I mean, they wouldn't have said this back then, but busted, you know? So they went in the house, and their father's awake again, reading his Bible. He says nothing until, you know, evening. 
And Pa says that that night, though, after Sabbath ended, he took them to the woodshed, you know, and made them <laughs> gave them a lesson. And Pa was telling Laura the story to say, I'm not going to tan your hide, uh-huh. even though you were naughty on the Sabbath. And it left such a horror in me of like, what a horrible thing that you would have to sit still as a kid and be serious and quiet and you couldn't enjoy anything. And so that was the picture of the Sabbath that I had. Right. So I didn't have initially at least a ton of interest in studying it. But the more I studied it, and I read so many books that year and talked to so many people, the more I found out that really is not the heart of what real Sabbath is. And the cool thing that I think, especially now four years out, is that Sabbath is not just a Judaic or Christian principle. The ideas behind Sabbath are really rest and delight and celebration, like you said. So those are the key things. And who couldn't benefit from rest and delight in their life? Exactly. Yes. So I think Sabbath really started, the idea of Sabbath as that word um, started with the Jewish faith. And you read it in the Old Testament, it came um, as a directive to God's people in the Ten Commandments. It was actually one of the Ten Commandments. It's actually the Ten Commandment that is the most expounded upon. You know, God said, do not murder, do not lie. And then there's like three verses about Sabbath. And he tied it, God tied it back, he, she, into the mandate of the beginning, the creation poem in Genesis, where it talks about God resting on this on the seventh day. The really cool work like idea when I looked into kind of the word that's there in the Bible about rest is that it's really an active rest. It's a, it's a delight. It's not that God sat back and said, I'm exhausted. <laughs> that, I am worn smooth out. I'm just that gonna... took a lot out of me. Yeah. Well, crispy people who's inventing <laughs> Netflix so that I can have a day off. <laughs> no, it is a satisfied delight in something. So I would liken it more to a woman who's just given birth. Oh, that's a great picture. You've been through a tremendous amount of work, but now you have that baby in your arms and you're looking down at that little one and you're saying it was worth it. It's so good. Look at them. You're delighting in that child. Yeah. And so it's that kind of rest that that we're being called to enter into. And of course, ever since the beginning, the Jewish people have celebrated Sabbath since the day the Ten Commandments were given. It's very much a tradition in the Jewish faith. If you know an observant Jewish family, they probably still practice Shabbat, which is Sabbath, on Friday night to Saturday. Uh, and they would say that they've practiced it continually, that that is one of the largest marks of the Jewish faith. I would say, when I talk about Sabbath, that I want to talk about it in more than just in a day of observance. I want to expand it a little bit and talk about it as having a Sabbath heart almost as well, saying that you kind of really, in our world today, can't observe one without the other. You need to have like a Sabbath heart, a heart that will enter into rest and delight as much as you need a time on the calendar. So you need both. You need you need the heart attitude to go into the rest, and yet you need the time on the calendar to fully embrace what's in your heart. I love that. I love that. I've teamed up with HealthyMoving.com to bring you a free class to get you moving and keep you moving right on into the new year. Text SORTA AWESOME, no spaces, all one word, to 33444 or go to HealthyMoving.com slash SORTA AWESOME 
for access to this free class. Last week, we heard from Jen's student, Lauren, on how healthy moving made a difference in her life. This week, she's filling you in on what it's like to be a student of Jen's. I cannot stress this enough. Jen is just about the most amazing person you'll ever work with, and she's so unique in this space because she doesn't make you feel shame about your body. She doesn't make you feel badly about the choices maybe you made yesterday or what you did today that wasn't maybe the best thing for you. It's very uh, helpful and encouraging and allows you to be human while also going through the program, which makes it something that's so easy to stick to and come back to time and time again. I, I really cannot stress enough how much I love this program. And if you're even curious at all, you have to go over to healthymoving.com and check it out. I tell all my friends about it, and I think you will too. Thanks so much, Lauren. And once again, you can find all the details for signing up for this free class in today's show notes. Thank you again, healthymoving.com. Okay, Kelly, I love that you mentioned sort of having the heart for Sabbath and and a mindset of Sabbath as being equally important to having space in the calendar for practicing Sabbath. I would love for you to sort of just let's uncover and examine what does that look like? What is at the heart of Sabbath and, and what does that look like lived out in our, in the midst of our chaotic, hectic, overplanned, overscheduled lives? Right, right. And I will say that this practice, putting it into place in my life has really transformed me. Uh, And it was a very slow thing. It's something that I notice more now when it's not a part of my life, but it really is something that it sounds hokey, but it makes me more mindful and centered and all these good things it produces in me. So I would love to talk about, and there isn't one right way, so I'm not going to have seven easy steps to work Sabbath (laughs) into your life at the end of this. Right. It takes a little bit more personalization than that, but I do want to speak a little bit to how to incorporate it. I would say if I had a subtitle, if you will, for what I took away after my year of studying Sabbath, Sabbath to me is a day of delight. And I really got that phrase from a book I read that's just simply titled Sabbath from a man named Dan Allender. Um, He is a professor in the Pacific Northwest, and he has studied Sabbath and incorporated Sabbath, and he has led seminars on it, and he had so many good things to say, and he really felt like this is the heart of it. And it's so contrary to what we just talked about, which is that it's not the first thing we think of when we think of Sabbath is delight. But he said, I think it's hard for many of us in today's culture to really believe that delight is okay. Oh, gosh. Oh, I feel like you need to say that again. That is so true. Yes. He asks his seminar class, he says, what would you do with delight? Like, what would you want? What would, what, what delights you? And the answers he gets back from people are like, well, that's just not realistic. There's no point to talk about something that I want, but I can't have. Or how do you dream delight when you're struggling with money and exhaustion? Mm, yeah. Or delight is too subjective. What delights me may not be moral even or the right thing to do <laughs> on like a holy day, right? Um, and then this last one, it just makes me laugh. So I have to say it. This the actual answer to his question is when I think of delight, I get sad and I want to eat more. <laughs> <laughs> That's honesty, right? Yes. Because I is. think it terrifies us a little bit. And so to really, truly look at the Sabbath, you have to look at saying, is this really what God wants for us? Mm, yeah. That he delights over us. 
that he's delighted in us, no matter what, that he is for us, and that it is okay to take a break and to enter into that delight. And I have to read you this section of the book. It's profoundly shaped the way I think about the Sabbath. Dan Allender says, I believe to some extent we are all troubled by delight. We are not averse to pleasure escapes or vacations. To vacate is to empty, that is to get rid of something. When we vacate or take a vacation, we're not merely taking time off from work. We're flushing away the cares of the world as we indulge in the diversions of our empty space. We lie on the beach and dab ourselves with sun lotion, put in our iPod earpieces and read the latest best-selling adventure novel. But that is not Sabbath. It is vacating our work in order to fill ourselves with passing pleasure. Many modern day vacations have the allure of common candy, a brightly colored candy pole on a paper stick that promises a feast of fullness and is nearly impossible to eat without sticky compromise. Once we tear into the sugary diversion, it disappears in a flash and it offers no substance. It is not enough and it doesn't satisfy even for a moment. The end only increases our desire for more. It doesn't bring awe or gratitude. The best answer to this is true Sabbath, not a day off, but a day of celebration and delight. The Sabbath is a day when the kingdom to come has come and is celebrated now rather than anticipated tomorrow. It's a fiction, a theater of divine comedy that practices eternity as a present reality rather than a future state. Sabbath is not about time off or break in routine. It is not a mini vacation to give us respite so we're better prepared to go back to work. The Sabbath is far more than a diversion. It is meant to be an encounter with God's delight. Oh, wow. Mic drop. I right? mean, yes, yes. If you don't hear that and feel yourself stirred in some way and say, yes, even as we probably people listening to this are going into the Christmas holiday, man, I have felt that exact thing. The Christmas holiday is the peak of the Western year. It is the time of joy and happiness and togetherness and all the traditions and all the food and an excess of everything. Yes. And at the end, I feel empty. Yes. times because I feel like we didn't really build in awe and gratitude. It was a sugary sort of diversion that didn't really satisfy what we're really looking for. And I think that there's nothing wrong with a vacation. Don't, don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong sometimes with just a quick, this is what I just need a break. But I think Sabbath speaks to the deeper part of every human being in this planet to feel loved, to feel meaning to feel the weight of their own significance. So that really just spoke to me so much. So is it okay? I'm just going to go into, this is what two things. It was so funny, Megan, because when I did this year of Sabbath and I wrote about it on my blog, those were such little snapshots of what I learned, you know, how to be still. Yeah. I mean, how even sickness can be a Sabbath, all these different things. And then I wrote a piece for your blog during Mm -hmm. a Lenten series that you did, and it helped me start to synthesize it. So when I started to do that, it was I was just far enough away to be able to see a broader perspective. So when I looked at it from a broader perspective and tried to think about all the things that I learned, I really took two things in. And this is the two things. One is kind of like what the goal of Sabbath is. What do we want Sabbath to produce in us? Right. And I would say it's three things. Um, it is rest, like actual rest, stop. It's a noun, like that we need to, we need to sleep. We need to take a break from our work. So it really is just a breaking of work sometimes. That's where it starts. Dan Allender, who does those retreats, says that oftentimes when he starts them for professionals, you know, on a Friday night and he has some time of quiet, 
a lot of participants will fall asleep. Sure, yes. Then they wake up and they're like horrified and embarrassed. <laughs> no, no, that is the thing. We are weary. We, we are, are weary. Yes, we are. And you know what? Do we say to each other? How are you? What's the response? I'm tired. I'm busy. Yes. There's so much to do, and it's true. I think, especially as women, mm-hmm. yeah. we are busy. You know, I have friends who write books, who travel, who speak. I have friends who stay home 24 seven with young kids. I have friends who are balancing aging parents. You know, with kids who suddenly don't care if they finish high school. <laughs> A lot. It's just a lot. So Sabbath is really the antidote to busy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it it's is. A time on the calendar when we set aside those concerns and our cares and we just rest. A great quote that I read from the Tao Te Ching said, Who is it that can make muddy water clean? But if allowed to become still, it will gradually become clear itself. Oh my goodness. That gave me goosebumps. I know. That image just is so powerful in my mind because we've all seen that, how the mud will settle if it's just given time. And I think that that's something that we don't allow ourselves as Westerners largely. We do not allow ourselves rest. And so that brightness never comes through. Our muddy water penetrates everything. And we do that at our own peril. No matter what your religious belief is, we do that at our own peril. Well, that's what I was going to say. Even apart from looking at this in a spiritual perspective, which I think it's a great practice spiritually, no matter where you are in the spiritual spectrum. But as a culture, even the time that we theoretically have set aside, let's say for the weekend, when we should be resting, when we think we're taking a rest or a break from work, so often we build out our weekends so that they are nonstop action. That's such a common question on a Friday. What are you doing this weekend? What are you doing this weekend? Which that's great. I mean, it's wonderful to have plans on the weekend. But even though as a culture, we technically have a space where we're supposed to be resting, it's like we just don't know how to push the pause button and rest and be still enough for the muddy waters in our lives to settle. Right. Right. Exactly. I think that besides rest, Sabbath also restores us. And this is like a similar concept, but it really, it speaks to something just a little bit different to me. You know, the dictionary definition for restore is to bring back, to return to its original condition. And that made me laugh because I thought, my goodness, I hardly remember my original condition. (laughs) You know, my body is melting in my 40s. It's like shifting (laughs) downward (laughs) or something. You know, I I crack more now. My lips are dry. You know, I eat differently now. You know, all these things that I am changing this way. But I think in our soul is really what we're talking about. And it goes back to that busyness. You know, the world is broken We've had such a heavy year. The hurts, I mean, even personally, it can be, you know, lies, betrayals, attacks against our souls. We get so wounded and fractured. I don't want to live wounded and fractured. I think that taking some time away restores me. Mm-hmm. It helps me to remember that I can walk upright. I don't have to walk twisted and bent. And I think that's so badly needed. And the other thing that I would say besides rest and restoration is that, and I love this one, Sabbath helps me to remember. And let's word geek out here for a second. Remember literally means to put back together. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Remember. Uh And I hadn't thought about that. And I thought, you know, our identity, our remembering, our what we think about of who we are, it restores us in some way. It puts us back together. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. And so that act of Sabbath, that act of resting and celebrating and delighting in some way has really helped me to 
be put back together. It has helped me to remember who I am. And I think this is especially important in families. When you have um, children, I think that you need that time as a family unit Mm -hmm. to come together and to remember who you are and to be able to speak some sacred truths over your children. You know, I see you. I love you. I see this about you. This is who we are as a family. And those aren't all the same things. You know, we all are, have our own unique flavors. What do we value? What's important to us? It can get so busy in our lives. We get lost with the deeper things. We get all the little dusty things settled, but these deeper things sometimes don't get to be spoken. And so we need to do that. We need to remember who we really are. Yeah, I really like that. As individuals, as family units, it is so easy to forget who we are because we're stretched so thin so many times. So I really like that. And of course, you know, I will geek out over word meaning anytime with you. So yeah, that's a great perspective to view that remembering in. Oh, I loved the re I hadn't really thought about it. That remember means to bring back together. And that's really what we're doing. We're remembering. Okay, so the last thing that really stood out to me is the most practical thing. And people are always like, so I'm intrigued. I I like what you're saying. How? (laughs) Yes. What does it look like? How do we do this in our culture where we don't know, we don't have a clear path for what practicing this looks like? And unfortunately, like I said, I don't have this very clear path to give people because I think that it really depends on who you are, your makeup, your stage of life. There are so many things that influence how Sabbath will be kneaded into your life, you know, in the K-N-E-A-D, kneaded in, to pound it in. I would say I can give you these general ingredients. Okay, let's hear it. Of what Sabbath is. I think, of course, we need to stop, like hard stop. This is important, even though I don't want to get too legalistic. I don't think that Sabbath, for it to have the most meaning, is in any way law-based or legalistic. But at some point, we just have to do it. We can't just say, well, I have I have all sorts of intentions to stop. (laughs) It's still not going to produce the same, you know, active work inside of us as just like going to the gym. I may have all sorts of intentions. I will dress in my workout clothes in the morning. Uh uh (laughs) It still doesn't count. Dang it. That's right. I still have to go to the gym and do the work. So it's the same sort of thing. You still have to stop and just do it. Um, My actual favorite book that I read about Sabbath was written by Mark Buchanan. And he wrote this. Sabbath is a stop work order. In the midst of work that's never complete, never polished, Sabbath is not the break we're allotted at the tail end of completing all our tasks and chores, the fulfillment of our obligations. It's the rest we take smack dab in the middle of them without apologizing, without guilt, for no better reason than God told us we could. I thought, that's it. You know, you just say, hey, I'm going to look at my calendar this week. When can I stop? And sometimes you might have to make it more of a thing. Sometimes, obviously, life, you have sick kids. I understand that. I am not here to judge anybody. I understand that it's a fluid sort of thing. But can you look at your calendar and say, this week, this is when I stop and do something else? Um, That's important. You have to find the time. I think that the poets know this. I have to to read you a poem um, that Mary Oliver wrote. It's called Praying, but this is the, the heart of stopping. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. Right? Okay. So that's what we want. We want to stop to do that. And then I think what she just spoke to, Mary Oliver, so eloquently, is that the next thing that you need to really have Sabbath is some time to reflect. 
Yeah. Right. So we don't just stop in a vacuum um, and like silence ourselves in the closet or something. Although sometimes we want <laughs> to do that. Say, right? That might be the best place to find a light some days. <laughs> like, stare at the wall. We've all been there. <laughs> Ideally, we stop so that we can reflect and um, so that we can actually take a look at what's going on. And I have to tell you this story because I read this in um, a different Sabbath book by a gentleman named Wayne Mueller. And he told a story about an abbey in Mississippi where a group of nuns kept, among other things, you know, land and cattle. And of course, like many people in the last few years, they started to see that it would be more efficient and sustainable for their property to stop letting the cattle graze indiscriminately and instead pen them in smaller, you know, more confined patches of land where they were you know, permitted to then graze thoroughly and uh, fertilize, fertilize the ground. This is a real thing. I've I've heard of this being in an agricultural culture that I am in here in Oklahoma. This is a thing that people do. Yeah. Yes, here too. So, you know, when they're doing that, when the cattle are constrained into one area, the rest of the field, then the pasture is left to lie fallow. So then, you know, over time, those, the little pen is moved so that the whole field eventually has a chance to be used and then to rest. Right. So after two years of this kind of grazing, the sisters at the Abbey noticed something really remarkable. He said, new grass was sprouting from the earth. Grass so nutritious, they were able to stop supplementing the cow's diet with corn. Mm -hmm. Even more amazing, dozens of herbs were growing in their fields that they had never planted or even known existed on their property. Oh, wow. And he writes, where had these new herbs and grasses come from? They had appeared from within the earth of this field, seeds that had always been embedded in the soil. Because they had always been trodden underfoot by the relentless activity of the cows, they were never able to grow into their own fullness. When the land and the seeds were given a necessary Sabbath, the earth could then, in its own time, reveal the breathtaking wonders of which it was naturally and easily capable. I'm just going to be honest. That makes me want to ball my eyes out a little bit. That's right? so beautiful. Yeah. Stop yeah. and pay attention. I mean, this is mindfulness, really. Yes. We're stopping so that we can pay attention. Right. To what's already going on around us. What are we missing out on? What is the spirit saying to me? Who are the people in front of me? What do they need? Um, I think one way even, and this is more of a Christian practice, but that you could take this and make it very practical. And you may have even heard of this, Megan, because you are more familiar than I am even with liturgy and some of the ancient practices, but it's called the prayer of examine. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it is really basic. It is when you're crawling into bed at night, looking back on your day and asking two questions. Where did I feel most alive, most hopeful today, most in the presence of God? And where did I feel the most dead, Mm. the most despairing, the farthest from God? And then filtering those observations and and learning from it. Yeah. So that is like a Sabbath moment right Right. there. That's the heart of Sabbath. When you're going to bed, it's listening, it's stopping, it's trying to make something regular. And that really is the next thing. So if I would say, you know, stopping and um, reflecting rhythm, I think... And this one is tricky because I really, I am anti-legalism. Uh, <laughs> you do it as you want to, people. But I would say that for the most benefit, making this a regular part of our lives, part of the ebb and flow of our weeks and years, just like the seasons, is going to have the most benefit. It's going to have the most payoff. You know, traditionally, um, the Jewish people have celebrated Sabbath, as I said before, every sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, Christians I think because they were Jewish originally, you know, came from the Jewish faith, they just took the practice of Sabbath and moved it to Sunday. Right. Because that was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So they just took it and said, hey, let's do it this day instead. So that's why a lot of Christians today have this idea that Sabbath is Sunday. 
I don't think it has to be a day. Uh, I think that part of this having a Sabbath heart and not getting hung up on rules is saying, how can I celebrate Sabbath? Uh, maybe I don't have a full day because I have a newborn or my husband's stationed overseas and I'm caring for a sick loved one. So find a way. Is there a morning, an afternoon, an hour? I would say if you can find it, try to make it as regular as you can. Just build it firmly into your schedule. You know, let the seed grow from there. I can say, and I may have said this before, I know I for sure have written about it on my blog, but when I was studying this, unbeknownst to me, I was doing this in a way that was setting aside a Sabbath day for me was Mondays because I learned that the weekends were crazy with young kids and you know, you're doing all the fun things for family. Monday was my day to reorient, to say, I stopped committing to anything on sun- on Mondays. Mm-hmm. I, I actually didn't even, it was hard for me not to meet friends for coffee or, you know, get involved in any outside activities and say today, I'm just, Mondays I stay home. I do the laundry. I make all the beds. I put the little people back where they belong. Yeah. Um, I don't have little people anymore, but you know, all those things, those, that was deeply restorative to me. And to know that it was just that way every Monday. I mean, I would even take my phone off the hook just to have, just to be with my people that were in the house, just to listen to music. It was like funny that my cleaning day became my most favorite day of the week. I am you the know, same way about Monday. It is, in, and I know this almost sounds like heresy, but it is the most sacred day of the week for me. It really yeah. is. It's set apart from every other day. And I was just thinking about Monday is that remembering day for me where everything yes. comes back together Everything is goes to the places where it belongs. And it's very contemplative for me. I, I love a Monday. And yes. I think that I had never connected the dots, but it very much falls into those parameters for what this idea of Sabbath, of rest and delight is. Right. It's the liturgy of the work of your hands. Yes. And you can give thanks even in doing that work. And yeah. it's really changed the way I look at cleaning my house. I completely agree. I'm going to say this one. And... We'll just say it out there, people, okay? Because I think it's important to say it makes some people uncomfortable. Sensuality. Mm, yeah. I think that really to have a good Sabbath, the senses are involved. Yeah. You know, how you think about a traditional Jewish Sabbath meal, the special food, the light of the candles, the chanting of blessings, the wine. It's our bodies that are engaged as much as our spirits. I think that there's a reason that in the olden days, the Jewish faith, to truly celebrate Sabbath, they said that you need to make love. Aha. <laughs> you need to make love not once. If you're really observant, three times. Okay, so wow, you take that again. Big expectations. I know, Sabbath. I know. I think I just thought that was so cute. And this is my one of my favorite things that made me laugh out loud in one of the books that I read. Upon hearing, you know, that this was the Jewish intense intention, like the highest mark for an observant Jew is to do this three times. No, four times. I'm sorry, four times on the Sabbath. <laughs> Um, he asked an older gentleman who was very devout if he and his wife did, in fact, faithfully keep <laughs> this particular <laughs> precept. And his, the, the older gentleman said, no, we make love only once. But he added with a twinkle in his eye, we hold a deep intention for the other three. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. You don't, have, you don't have to go that far if you don't want to. But the idea is... To engage your senses that we are human. Yeah. So what do you like to do? Do you like to cook? What brings you delight? Eating delicious food? Maybe not cooking. Maybe going out for a meal. 
maybe getting out of doors. I know for my husband, especially being outside is Sabbath to him. It is deeply restorative to no matter what the season, maybe take a nap. How often do we not allow ourselves? We push through that, that afternoon sleepiness instead of saying, maybe I will acknowledge what my body needs and say, I'm but dust. <laughs> I will take a nap and I will do it without guilt. I realized this last year. I still had my youngest was at home and he was a napper where my third child was not. So it was wonderful to have my fourth one be a napper. And he is a snuggler. He loves his mommy. Even to this day, he crawls into bed with me every night. People pray for me. <laughs> he's five. And I but can't get so, him out. He's too darling to say so no sweet. to. <laughs> He's so sweet. He gets and squishes my cheeks and says, Mommy, I just want to snuggle you. <laughs> what? What do you do with that? What right? What do you do? <laughs> so last year, every time he needed a nap, he wanted me to lay down with him. And so we developed a routine that I would nap every day with him. It might even only be 20 minutes and then I would crawl out. But that time, it was hard for me. There were days that I was in the midst of production. I was accomplishing things and I have an addiction to that. So it was hard for me to force myself to stop and read a book and lay there. When I did it, I was like, wait a minute. I am more than the work I produce. That's right. Yes. I'm enjoyed by God. I enjoy God more than what I do. It is about who I am. Mm-hmm. And yes. so taking that little 20-minute nap felt in some really weird way rebellious, you know, to say against the world, I can take a nap mm-hmm. because my life is about more than just work. It's delight. And I thought that was so important to Sabbath. I really love that. I love that you're talking about engaging the senses, sensuality in the purest sense of the word, mm-hmm. that if we can tap into, even if, if, if that's just your jumping off point, if you can just start there, if you've never practiced Sabbath before, to be able to say, okay, what does engage my senses? I think that that is a great first step forward because all of us have that thing. Like you said, whether it's cooking, whether it's, um, you know, one of my daughters is like obsessed with candles and candlelight. She wants us to have candlelit dinners. I mean, that is a thing sensually speaking, that appeals to her. Start mm-hmm. there. Even children know what they like <laughs> that appeals to their senses. And some of us need to come back to that. We need to be restored back to our original selves that was that were really in tune with what we preferred, what engaged us, what ignited us in the, the realm of our senses. So right. I think that's a great starting point for people. Right. And you know, really, you tap into my exact last point, which is to really have full Sabbath, I think we need to revive play. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. taking a step further from just what delights your senses, but what delights your soul? Like what were you made to do? What mm. do you enjoy? And I think especially as adults. Yes. That's something that we have killed off in us. Um, Mark Buchanan wrote this. I thought this was so good. Adulthood is mostly about getting things done. Mm-hmm. Past a certain age, our existence is consumed by obligation. Deadlines loom, assignments are due, responsibilities are mountainous, chores pile up. There's a list always of things to do. So one of the first things to die in adult in adults is playfulness. Mm. We are, as a tribe, a grim bunch, <laughs> stirred and mirthless, bent beneath huge invisible weights. Most grown-ups and an increasing number of youth and children... Amen. Mm -hmm. Feel that life is all work and no play. Play feels irresponsible. How can you justify it when there are so many things to do on your to-do list? How can you feel guiltless in it when the chores you neglected last week are now added to the chores you've yet to get to this week? 
and you want to go golfing, or I would add take a nap, or (laughs) bake a cake, or read a book, or go see a show, and I would say yes, yes, take a Sabbath, go play. And if you don't know how to play, this was so huge to me. Here's the rule. Don't do anything you ought to do. Oh, that's so good. Right? You have six days, let's say, to do the oughts. Six days to bow down before the taskmasters of economic and political and social necessity, right? On the Sabbath, the only thing you must do is to not do the things you must. Uh, Yeah, right? So you get to lay hold of the get-tos. So that's the question you get to ask yourself. What do I get to do today? And this is really where it really gets personal because it may even change for you from week to week. Um, The gentleman who wrote that passage that I read, Mark Buchanan, he has said he's a pastor. So for him, lots of times his Sabbath, his get-to is to mow the lawn, which sounds like, well, that's sneaky, Mark. You're saying you're going to mow the lawn and it's Sabbath, (laughs) you know, skirting the rules, Mark. And he's like, no, for me, it is working with my hands. I work with my mind. I sit in an office to get to go outside to mow my lawn, to smell the grass, to be outside and stop and do something is Sabbath. Now, he did say there are some weeks that I come to my Sabbath and I think, oh, gosh, darn it. The lawn is so long. It really needs to be mowed. He goes, if that's what I'm saying, then I don't do it. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah. Then it's become an ought to do. It's an obligation. It starts to feel like an obligation. What you should do for Sabbath to really do the most for your soul is to do the things not because you have to, but because you get to. That's so good. I love that, Kelly. I'm so glad you ended on that note. Yeah. What so would, good. I mean, what would you do? Like that, it's such a good question. You know, you really have to go back, like you said, to maybe even your childhood. What did you do when you were a kid that just brought you delight? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really, I've talked about this on the show, how little reading I got to this year. And I, I think that there is a huge connection there. I so often push reading aside because I have all these other things that I ought to do. Instead, it does. I don't really, napping is not a thing for me. Like I'm just like a grumpy bear when I wake up from naps. (laughs) (laughs) So I know myself well enough to know that actually taking a nap would probably not be the best, but crawling away with and curling up with a book Mm -hmm. feels incredibly indulgent and is often guilt inducing for me. And so, yeah, I love that you kind of ran down a list of what these things could be when I was a kid, I always had my nose in a book and it was delightful. And I don't make enough space for that in my life now. So. Right. And be unabashed. That's what I would say to our awesomes who are listening. Find out what delights you and then say, no, your your Sabbath doesn't have to be this drudgery, dreary, solemn sort of thing that people look at and say, wow, they are really seeking the deeper things in life. I can tell because they look miserable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, the people who are truly enjoying Sabbath should be the most happy, rested, refreshed, restored people out there because they're getting in touch. And I think, and again, this goes back to almost every religion, every culture has some sort of an idea of this of being mindful, of really living in the present. And I think that that's what Sabbath does, is it draws us back and says, enjoy your life. Yeah, Um, This is about what it's about. It's about resting and stopping and taking delight in what you've done and playing so that you can be a fully restored person and enjoy. I love that. And and speaking of being intentional, for those of us who do struggle with the guilt when we're setting uh, aside our ought-tos, 
Maybe our second step, after we identify, first of all, what it is that's going to bring us to light, maybe our second step could be working our schedule with Sabbath as a priority. So if I know that I want to take Sunday afternoons and do nothing but read a book while my kids play, then I build my whole week around that idea that if, if cleaning the house is a priority to me and I feel guilty if I'm reading when my house isn't clean, I'm going to make sure that come Sunday afternoon, the house is clean, or right. I just choose to let it go another week or whatever. So that that is the as another part of the intention of Sabbath is setting ourselves up for success. Yes, so that we can fully engage in it. Absolutely. And that's a huge part of the Jewish practice was getting everything ready. Yes, because it wasn't just like what we're talking about, which is an idea that enriches your life. It was the law. It was like the law, it was yes. required. Mm-hmm. So you had to stop yeah. at sundown on Friday. And so I read some really beautiful Abraham Herschel's written a book and his daughter wrote the foreword about what Sabbath looks like in her home and how her parents would rush around like crazy on Friday. Or if you've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, they yes. depict it so well, like everybody's <laughs> fighting and, the, and then boom, you know, that sunset, the candles are lit, the chants, and it's done. Yes. And so they made it that centerpiece. It was everything led to that. And it's, of course, the reason I think that we don't want to have to get that legalistic is because then, you know, six days of being grumpy with your kids so that you can have that one day. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Right. And that, I think we're, that's defeating the point. But there, something about being intentional yeah, to set yourself up for it is right. Well, Kelly, I am so glad, you know, you and I've been talking about doing this show for a long time. Honestly, I'm so glad the timing worked out the way it did because I think this is gonna this is definitely giving me a lot to think about as I think about what my intentions are for 2016, what I want 2016 to look like for me as an individual, as a mom, um, for our family, for this show. I have so much on my mind and to have this concept and the practice of Sabbath fresh in my mind as we move into this sort of new year season. Uh, that's just around the corner for us. It's perfect timing, I think. So thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom, all of these insights into Sabbath, into rest and delight and celebration. Perfect timing for us. Truly my pleasure. I have so enjoyed studying it and I so enjoy tearing down the misconceptions of what we sometimes think it is and hopefully opening up a fresh new page to people and inviting them into this beautiful thing. That's right. That's right. So as we close, I want to say that the whole team at Sorta Awesome wants to wish each and every single one of you a happy, happy holiday season, whether you are listening from Afghanistan or Australia, Alberta or Albuquerque, anywhere you are on the planet, whether you're 17 or 71, please know that we adore you so much. And we are so incredibly humbled and grateful that you have made this show part of your 2015. Okay, Kelly, again, I, I genuinely just feel like, how did we get so lucky to get this masterclass on Sabbath? (laughs) And we got it so early in, like, I just, I think it was, it was truly kind of an establishing episode to think about where that came in terms of our production schedule. Like, 
we were just beginning to experiment with like, can we yeah. do like real topics? Like, how does this work? And then you just showed up with this whole thing. And we were all like, oh, this is yeah, we can definitely do this. This is amazing. Yeah, this is what I've learned. Yes. Yeah, I think that's, that was maybe one of our first episodes where we did that where we were like, let's talk about what we're learning, you know, like what we're reading. And so we've learned this. And so there have been so many episodes, actually, like the Amy, the Emily Nagoski episode, we did talk about come as you are, you know, like, there have been things where it's just like, this is what we talk about with our friends in real yep. life. And it's been such a delight yes. to be able to have those conversations with you. Oh, my goodness. Same, same. So true. All right. If people want to find you now and on into the future, just one little reminder of where the best places to go and find you if for now and again for like future endeavors that you may take up. Yeah. Well, you could always find me at Kelly Gordon MN. I think I'm just going to stick unless I move someday. And even then I can't imagine not having some roots here. Yeah. Like, um, that's my handle. So find me on social media, wherever the social media goes. Like I have been on threads lately because that's the new thing right now. Okay. And I'm loving okay. it. Um, so, you know, like as social media changes, I, I tend to keep the same handle. And I'm also at kellygordonmn.com. That's the website, but yeah, know. like in the future, will we have websites? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay, stay tuned for whatever Kelly might have next. You, yes. you know, she's always got something good going on for sure. Um, you can find me at Sorta Awesome Meg in all of the places. Again, come find us on social media because social media for at least as far as we can see onto the horizon, Sorta Awesome social media will go on. So again, it's at Sorta Awesome Show on Instagram. Come find us in the hangout, especially this time of year. We'd love to help you. Um, untangle all of your holiday knots and <laughs> solve your problems. Come find us at the hangout. Yes. Um, Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time for this introspective. Like this just means so much to me and I know it does for the awesomes as well. So thank you so much for this time and generosity and all of this reflecting back. Thank you for the opportunity from the beginning to now. Okay. Well, awesomes, thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.